Hey, this is Annie. And this is Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. And I have just gotten back from vacation. Yes. So I thought I would devote this entire episode to pictures of my trip. Um, I'm just going to describe them in detail. And I know that people love that. Right. So as well as here the fact we that go. I'm not bitter at looking at all the pictures <laughs> of you guys being in Hawaii <laughs> while I was sitting here going, I don't want to do extra work. <laughs> <laughs> I was working in Hawaii. You that's are, true. You are. That's true. So, but, but still bitter. That's fair. Uh, my body is very bitter. It is making <laughs> its uh, bitterness known. I was trying to get you to come out immediately. I'm like, hey. Hey, you're back. Come do this with us. We went to a protest. Come do this with us. And my body was like, you were hiding in a dark corner until this headache goes away. Um, But if I sound a little bit rusty or uh, otherwise rusty, um, (laughs) I was going to say stuffy-nosed, but then I didn't, and then I did. So And now it's there. There it is. Uh, That's why. (laughs) Because she had too much fun in Hawaii. (laughs) I had too much fun, and my body is officially like, go back. Um, (laughs) Oh, man, I want to go. Yes, well, I do too. But anyway, this is um, a part two of um, an episode we did with multiple interviews right. on BDSM. BDSM, kink, yes. all the good stuff. Yeah, and um, in classic uh, Sminty style, we didn't... I, well, a lot of times when you interview people, you're not entirely sure what's going to happen because you want to let the people tell you right. um, and just naturally have a conversation and then you make the episode from that. So... Um, <laughs> it's funny because I'm not sure we realized it was going to be a two-parter and then I left right. and now here we are. But <laughs> And then we realized, oh my gosh, we've got such good content. Yeah. We can't just limit to one. Yes. Um, so before we get into this, um, warning, not warning. safe for work perhaps. Or at least loudly yeah. played. Like Once again, like we said last time, unless you're trying to get fired or at yeah. least get really weird or good. Looks. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we don't you, know do what you. your office seat so, is. Um, Might work from home. Right. Who knows? Even though these, this is not. It shouldn't be. This not safe. I guess like right. this type of level of um, discretion. Is that the word I want? Or censorship. Uh, yeah. Censorship's the word. This shouldn't be censored like this because this is a natural part of human pleasure. Right. And we're not really going to too graphic of details, but just. To protect yourself. Yeah. In whatever environment you're working with. So sure. me and my government environment, if I had this on blast, I would get a talking to. Mm, don't want to get a talking to. You know. um, and so also with that, this is part two, so we would recommend listening to part one. Part one was much more of a kind of baseline. A beginner's of, thing? Yeah, terms and sort of overview of what this world of kink and BDSM can look like. And in this one, we're going to talk more about um, feminism and diversity and some advice for for newbies. And um, before we get into these interviews, we did want to talk a little bit about fetishes, um, which is uh, a long time ago. Again, at the very beginning of, hey, we could keep going with this. We could do a podcast. Um, We both agreed that when we personally hear fetish, the first thing that we think of is foot fetish, right? And then Asian fetish second. 
Um, but this is a whole big world with a lot more folks involved in it than you might think. Right, and we were talking about the fact that we don't hear, because we were talking about this in the last episode, we don't hear too many people talking about it in regards to what women like in fetishes. Um, because when I think of like Asian fetishes, it's me thinking of, hey, it's that guy who has a large collection of anime, which is not wrong but then has this idealized fantasy of that Asian women are the specific type of person that can turn him on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also did talk about the foot fetish because it's almost a joke. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. If you're into that, you do you, boo. Um, but like it, it, that was a conversation is, what does this look like? Do women right. have foot fetishes? Yeah, because again, the foot fetish, when I think of it, it is very male. Right. Like gay, Yeah. And um, yeah, just a... It's funny because I accidentally copied and pasted. Um, I always copy and paste the end because right. essentially say the same thing. And I copied and pasted the the ending from the part one of this, and it, I included um, consent in all caps. Right. And I was thinking maybe I should just start saying that at the end of every episode. <laughs> but that that's um, another important part of this conversation when you're talking right. about like foot fetishes. There's nothing wrong with that consensual right. adults. Whatever. If you're an adult and you're happy and you're not violating anybody's rights and you consent to this, have at it, boo. Yes. Um, and we do have some numbers, although, you know, these are hard to get to. Right. Uh, a UK survey from erotic purveyor Ann Summers found 75% of the 2,300 people surveyed reported having at least one fetish. 61% thought that there is a stigma attached to having a fetish, and 74% of respondents said that they were into BDSM. 28% reported having more than one fetish, and 54% of those folks said they acted out more than one of those fetishes at a time. Almost half of people act out fetishes on a weekly basis, and over 90% said that they wanted to act on a fetish with someone else as opposed to doing it solo. And around 20% go to meet up our clubs around their fetishes. Hmm. Hmm. A different study found that half of women do not want their fantasies to become a reality, which I do think is a very important point. Fantasy is a fantasy. Sometimes you want it to be a reality, sometimes you don't. Right. You just want that to stay in your mind. You don't want the real life thing because it could ruin what you have in your mind. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's not what I was thinking, but oh. that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, 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 that's good. <laughs> um, researchers sampled a little over 1,000 residents of Quebec and found that four of the eight anomalous sexual behaviors in the DSMB weren't anomalous at all. Over half of those surveyed were interested in at least one of these anomalous behaviors. 35% were into voyeurism and 19% were into fetishism, for example. All right. I'm just going to say this. You said DSMV. I'm like, you mean the DSM-5? I would say V. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. You say the numeral letter. I mean, the, what is that? Roman letters? Yeah. Um, huh. And it actually caused a kind of funny misunderstanding between a friend of mine <laughs> about the movie V for Vendetta. Yeah. Because she said five for Vendetta. <laughs> and I was like, it's definitely not five for Vendetta. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, resulted in like a 30-minute discussion. That's interesting. Yeah, because yes. I'm like, I stopped when I saw that. She said, she said V. Uh, yes, apologies, v. apologies. No apologies. You don't have to apologize. I just love that. I was like, oh, I've yeah. not heard anybody say it like that. I think it's, it's, I think it's leftover from my discussion around V for Vendetta. <laughs> Put it in also, there. Also, I got in some serious trouble uh, writing a message that was a a play on the remember, remember the 5th of November on my college oh, wall yeah. and I like had to publicly wash it off anyway 
Um, <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing back college memories. I don't want diverting to different things. Keep going. Um, and foot fetish is the highest body part fetish. Foot fetish. Mm-hmm. So when we say fetishes, I have to ask because um, I know you and I've talked before because we talk about people being attracted to specific body parts. So mm-hmm. we we joke about being an ass man. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. a, a boob person? Or for women, I talk about the arms. You know, mm-hmm. strong hands. Oh yeah, it, could yeah, that yeah. be a fetish, or is that just an attraction? I think, I think it's a fine line. Um, it is a fine line, right? I guess it has a lot to do with sexual arousal. Yeah, um, the the official dictionary definition for fetish is a form of sexual desire in which gratification is linked to an abnormal degree to a particular object, item of clothing, part of body, etc. So I guess abnormal degree I would almost I don't know that kind of, that use of that word is a little interesting but right. um, I think it goes beyond like ooh I like hands it's right. like hands consume a lot of your right. thoughts perhaps right or there's a real sexual desire as opposed to just ooh I like hands it's like oh turned on by that hand strong hands can be okay oh I have a friend I'm gonna stop now I've said too much yeah I've said too much I've said too much but that's kind of just um, a very quick look at fetish. And um, when we did these interviews, we discussed, we touched on fetishes briefly. Um, so we wanted to include that in there, but it didn't come up as much as we thought that they might. Um, so that, you know, as always, we could come back and do do a whole thing on, on fetishes. And we should. Perhaps we will, we probably will. But in the meantime, we do have all of this other content about BDSM and kink. And we will get into that. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, um, like we said... Probably listening to part one will be very helpful, but just as a either reminder or primer, um, who are we speaking to? Yeah. So again, we're going to bring back Sammy, Lily, Moxie, and Rima, who were generous enough to come and speak about uh, their interest in kink and their experiences. Uh, I've f- I found out several of them teach classes and or our leaders in several groups in the BDSM kink world. Uh, so they came in, gave us a little bit of a glimpse into the world. And so here you go. They're going to speak a little more. One question both Samantha and I had was, um, <laughs> what is it like being in this world? What does it feel like? Why do you like it? And that is a couple of questions, but you get it. And so we asked all of our interviewees about that. And the first Two voices you're going to hear are Sammy and Lily, and then Rima, and then Moxie. So for me, I really like the endorphin rush that pain causes. Um, uh, that's the thing that initially like, got me hooked. You know, if someone is biting me and pulling my hair and like doing all those things, I, I get these crazy endorphin rushes that just don't happen um, any other really way. Like, you know, Lily was saying that some people don't enjoy sex until they find the kink world. I enjoyed sex, but I definitely enjoyed rough sex more. And I think that, you know, there will be times that, like, 
oh, I'm like about to come or something. And and my partner will like bite me or pull my hair. And like that's the thing that that like really triggers it and gets pushes you to pass the, to that next point. Um, and with impact, I mean, it can feel like you're drunk sometimes. Like at some point, a, a switch flips for me and my body, in order to like handle the pain, turns it into pleasure. So like I'll be getting hit and it literally will just feel like bursts of like excitement or something, not necessarily sexual pleasure, but um, like you're just like, everything's great. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's just so bizarre that your body does this crazy thing. Um, but I love it. And then you're just like a little soup puddle of a person afterwards. And like I used to, we, we do a thing called aftercare uh, in the community. So like after you get beat. Some people do. Yes. <laughs> and, like, the, and so that's also pre-negotiated. Um, and I used to say no aftercare. I don't like that because I was, I was very much not trying to get attached to anyone. Um, but now that I have, you know, a primary partner that I am madly in love with, the aftercare is like the best part now almost because then after you've been like just turned into this little puddle, then you get to like crawl in his lap and just like just sit there for a second. And it's like it's just amazing. It's uh, So for me, that that is um, – sort of my draw to it and what, what keeps me coming back. Rope is a little different because it, um, I'm not allowed to space to the extent, that's what you call it when the endorphin thing happens, or what I call it, but um, I'm not allowed to space as much in rope because I have to be more aware of my body. I have to be more aware of if the pain I'm feeling is loss of circulation or if it's nerve, um, and those present in different ways. So. I have to it, – it's almost more meditative when I'm in rope because I'll feel a pain. I'll f- analyze it, say, like, okay, is this dangerous? And if it's not, then I, like, put it in a little pocket somewhere and um, keep trying to, like, move on. Uh, so so if rope is completely different. It's still, like, super awesome and engaging and um, – you can definitely have ones where you're spaced at the end and you're a puddle of a person laying in someone's lap. But um, I find it – I find it interesting in a completely different way because it's like a completely different challenge um, for for my, me. And I'm, I'm incredibly competitive. I also think that that's why I like kink because I'm like – I can outlast you. Like, let's <laughs> try me. Um, I also feel like you outlast yourself in rope. Like, I see you compete with yourself in rope all the time. Like, yeah. I feel like you're like, I can endure more than I endured last time. I can get, I can, I can push to the end of when you get tired. Like, the person tying you is going to get mm-hmm. tired before you get tired of being in these horrible, torturous positions. Like, it's incredible. And and I and I should put a caveat out there for any potential rope bottoms listening to this. Like, she's very incredible at what she does. She's practiced this a lot, and so like the things she's talking talking about having the skill of being able to figure out which pain is good and which pain is bad and all that stuff. Like, that's not something that's instinctive. That's right. a thing that she's developed over time and worked very hard to achieve. So just know that. Like, <laughs> if you can't do that yet, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So for me, it's, it's not this, like, um, I don't know that it's like a roller coaster of sensation. Uh, I, from the dominant or top side of kink, for me, it's mostly about control. I mean... Imagine being able to calibrate an experience like that for a lot of different people just by tying them up or hurting Because right, you are a top when it comes to... Um, I, so I, I have um, a full-time power exchange relationship in which I am the right side of the slash. I am an S-type. So I 
identify as property in that relationship and I am owned in that relationship. And so in that relationship, I bottom and I provide service in that way. And it's a very important, pivotal part of my life. Mm-hmm. In every other interaction in the kink community, I am a top and a dominant. So it's complicated, but yeah. for the most part, how my kink manifests is kind of, well, it's hard to even say for the most part, I guess. But, right. Um, but yeah, so uh, generally I do end up tying more and what people see publicly is more of the left side of the slash dominant topping type stuff. So, yeah. Um, But it's, it's for me, it's a, it's both the being able to exert control over another person and being able to elicit these incredibly extreme reactions from a person. And also, um, through force and technique and sometimes very subtle types of, communication, both physical and verbal, to be able to, like, create sensations and experiences in another person that are, like, completely within your control is is very powerful experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then also, I'm a sadist and I like hurting people. <laughs> I like <laughs> making beautiful things ugly. Yeah. I like destroying things. <laughs> I like ruining things. It's just really fun. So yeah. um, so that's a whole other part of it, too. Um, How did you discover that you enjoyed these things? I mean, it's layered, I think. That, um, and it's and I mean, to be fair, there are challenges when you discover these things about yourself, right? Like the first time you discover you like ruining people is not the f- most fun moment of your life, as it turns out. <laughs> um, but I have to say that I'm very grateful to be able to have this opportunity to do it in an ethical, negotiated, intentional, consensual like framework, you know, like that, that's really important to me. And that's something that all like none of this works without that stuff. Right. Like, right. It just doesn't. So I don't know how I discovered it maybe, but, um, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that part exists. Rope is not sexual unless I make it. Right. Um, most times, like if I'm in a lab, it's a, it's a different type of arousal. What is a lab? Um, it's like open practice. Okay. So there may not be an actual topic that's discussed or taught. You just go work on whatever you want. So how necessary is practice for things like that? Mm. I feel like I answered my own questions earlier, but just... It's pretty extensive, mm-hmm. um, especially... There's nothing wrong with tying with someone who is new, whether bottom or top, but you you do need to go to classes. I strongly advise doing some research, like learning about the body, because you have those nerves, uh, you have muscles. Like even right now, I'm really hoping that I did not mess up my girlfriend's shoulder, because <laughs> it's been bothering her for some weeks now, and I'm just like, I hope it's really muscular, right? Because we can do that. We can do steroid shots for that, opposed to, like, some nerves um, that may take a little bit longer. It may not resolve itself. We may actually have to do, like, some medical intervention. Because she was like, well, I may want to start tying people. And I was like, okay, whenever you're ready, let me know Mm -hmm. so I can teach you, like, at least the important stuff or the basics. Um, Because I didn't get everything at once coming in because it was, like, it wasn't— I don't know if I can say the information wasn't available, but the the frequency of the workshops, like, within a particular group wasn't there. Like, some, most events are only once a month. Right. So I'm like, okay, once a month. I just learned this single column. I don't even know what a single column is. I'm supposed to practice. I don't understand. Right. So. So how often do you practice now? Um, At least twice a week. Yeah. 
At least. Usually, yeah, at least. So if you want to continue in this type of, you have to continue yes, continu- practice? Yes, because um, I tie each person different. Like uh, my friend Zay, he's more comfortable. He can hold a TK with his stack behind his arms, but if I want him to be up longer, it's going his arms, his wrists are going to have to be downward. Um, but my girlfriend... We learned that after bringing her arms much, like much, much closer. So it, and you have to practice to actually know where to place that rope um, on that person's body, like have some idea of how the rope is supposed to go around the body because it's not just circles. It actually has to go however that person's body is made Mm -hmm. naturally. It's not a bad thing. Um... It's just an alternative lifestyle. It's not always sexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know for me and a lot of the doms that I know, it's almost never sexual. Mm-hmm. It is not about sex. BDSM is not about sex mm-hmm. all the time. Okay. That's my biggest thing. Because when I say BDSM, oh, you like that kinky sex. It's- just because I like tying people up. And beating people does not mean entirely that my vagina is getting most because of it. <laughs> it is, and I always say it's a different type of arousal. Like right. I'm super, super excited. I'm having so much freaking fun, but I want to have sex with right. you after. I so want to go lay down. So it's a different type of like gratification. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I prefer to use the word arousal because right. people like arousal sex, and I'm like, no, no. It's a different type of arousal. Different type of like, adrenaline rush, excitement type of thing. Yes. Mm. Like super excited. Mm-hmm. That's great. Another question that came up while we were speaking was uh, about the diversity within this world. Moxie and Rima are black women who have fully embraced the kink world. We asked them what the community is like for people of color and how it may differ for them as opposed to um, of white people, essentially. How does, how does being a woman of color in this sect, a subculture, yeah. affect anything? Or, if it do, or does it? So I'm going to preface this by saying I'm delightful. <laughs> you are <laughs> delightful. Fact. Thank first you. of all, you walked in. I was like, yeah, you and I are going to be friends off of here, first of all, yes. automatically. Hair flip. Um, <laughs> I'm voicing that over because you guys can't see me. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I, like, I, I consider myself an introvert for the most part, um, but I, I can also put it on. I'm, like, I'm also energized by getting to know other people. Um, I have a journalism background, so I'm fascinated by other people and right. their stories. Right. Um, and so a lot of people, and I'm going to go ahead and say men because, right. yes, all men, um, <laughs> um, take that as me flirting with them and or, like, wanting to get with them. Right. And I'm just like, no, I I'm just nice to people. Right. Like I could be a, oh like, my I could God. be an, I could yes. be an asshole to you, but then you would just neg me for that. Right. And so I'm gonna. And he err- knows that story yeah. so well. I'm gonna err on the side of being nice to you and hope you're not a creep and like right. misinterpret this. But if you do, I will very quickly put you in your place. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the community, I've gotten so many messages about like, 
wow, I've never been with a black woman before. Right. And I'm like, well, you ain't finna get with one now. <laughs> <laughs> like, boy, bye. You just lost your chance. Like, that's gross. Or right. being like, yeah, I'm a dominant and like I'm waiting for my first taste of chocolate. And I'm like, first of all, <gasps> no. I'm caramel. No. Oh. no. <laughs> first of all, I'm caramel and or a very chewy toffee. And, <laughs> and I like, I like, gross. Like, right. just gross. Right. Um, and, I, and I recently had a conversation with somebody. Things were going so great. And then at the end of his message, he was like, and I have an affinity for black women. <laughs> Smiley no. face, wink. Uh-huh. And so I answered all of his other questions. And then I was like, hey, so I don't think this was your intention, but I like to be regarded and be found attractive because of who I am as a person. Because right. I'm awesome and I'm beautiful and I'm intelligent. Yes. Not because of something that I don't have control over. Right. So while... Yes, I think that's a bonus because hashtag melanin is lit. Um, <laughs> you only being interested in me because I'm a black woman actually makes me very reticent to start anything with you. And, of course, he was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I never wanted to, you know, whatever. And I was like, it's fine. Right. I'm letting you know that up front because I never want to hear something that gross come out of your mouth. Right. And secondly, I want you to know that there are not a lot of other women that I know which could be different for other people that are going to respond particularly right. well to that um, because race fetishism and or preferencing is very is still something that happens in the kink community. Okay. And I'm just not the type of person that's going to sit there and let it happen and just be right. like, I'm just going to ignore that they said this. It's like, no, I heard you. I no. read what you wrote. No, I mean, no, no. The no. number of dating profiles and or profiles on FetLife that are like, no fats, no femmes, no spice, no rice. And I'm just like, okay. Wait, wait. Yes. Wow. I'm, I'm going to need yes. you to repeat all of that. that no again? fats. No fats. No femmes. No f- What's femmes? Fem- so it's it was a gay person's profile, a gay male. Okay. And apparently, like, feminine gay men are not a thing that he was into. So mm-hmm. no fat people. Okay. No feminine men. Okay. No Hispanic men. No spice. No spice. And then no rice was no Asian No men. Asian Yeah. Men. And I was just like, okay, you could have just said that. It Damn. still would have been offensive, but like way less offensive than, than no spice, all no rice. Those things, <laughs> yes. Like, those oh my things. god! I still would have looked at you sideways and been like, "You're a basura person." Have you always done it in Atlanta? No, no. I like to travel. Okay. Um, it's mainly been in the south. Okay. The south states. Um, I just like going to like different dungeons, seeing what they got, right. what they got going on. Um, showing off a little bit. Um, I don't know why, because it's like when I go to different, like outside of Atlanta, right? I get this feeling like people. So you have dungeon masters who monitor mm-hmm. all the time, and what I've noticed when I go out, I always end up getting a dungeon master very close to me, and it's like, "Am hey, I for what you doing?" Cause I know what I'm doing. You you can you can back <laughs> so up. So they're actually supervising you a little more. Yeah. Okay. Like I've on, I've had someone almost intervene in a scene for no reason. Oh really? Yes. Why do you think that was? My skin's awfully dark. I honestly think because it didn't mm-hmm. make sense. Um, I mean that night at that dungeon actually, uh, like they were saying we were too loud. At a dungeon? Um, no, that was the point. We were too loud. And I'm like, you got fools up in here just screaming, literally, just screaming at the top of their lungs. I said, how I'm too loud. If you don't get the hell up out my face, <laughs> you're going to make me, ugh. So have but, you had to deal with that much as you're traveling, more um, so outside of Atlanta? 
Outside of Atlanta, yeah. Okay. Because yeah, that was the question. It's like, how welcoming is it for you to go to newer places? Oh, it's not at all. Okay. Um, and I tell people, I think it's only worked for me because I have the personality to say, you can look all you want, but if you say something to me, I'm going to turn up on you. And it is, it's going to be over. Yeah. Um, and I also tend to ignore, like, even getting into the Atlanta community, it wasn't really inclusive yeah. or welcoming. Right. Um, especially when you walk into a room, because I am tall, and I'm, I'm dark-skinned. So in, in robe, a lot of times, I don't see any people of color. Right. And when I speak to, I also go to Black Film Doms Atlanta. When I speak to other black doms, they're like, oh, it's not comfortable. Right. Why would we go? Right. And it, I don't know, I kind of, not come to peace, but like figure out a way to get comfortable right. within that environment and start talking to people so I can at least feel better about it. Mm-hmm. Like either I'm going to F with you, I'm going to not, vice versa. Right. Whatever. So when you talk to, because um, you said there's actual, is there actual groups that's just for people of color? Yes. And how how accessible and how <laughs> large is that um, scene? It's not large at all. Yeah. Because the core group of Black Film Doms Atlanta were probably like five or seven strong. That's always at all of our events. Um, and then our open socials, people come and go. But... I don't think I've ever seen more than, definitely not more than 30 yeah. people of color. I do have a question mm. about um, when you go to these dungeons or events, these munches in Atlanta, are they are they kind of equal in men and women that are there? Ooh, that is fascinating. Um, I think... The amount of men and women that are there is probably relatively equal, but the amount of tops and bottoms is often not particularly equal. Yeah. I mean, I went to a speed dating event at one of them, and there were so many tops and, like, six bottoms. And so we were, like, speed dating with other dominants, and we're just like, you have nothing I want. Like, (laughs) like, it's really cool to talk to you. Do you want to, like, talk shop? But, like, also, we're obviously not going to play together because we both want to do and neither of us want to receive. So what is this? Um, Actually, I think that happens more at the club than it does at munches because munches are just people that are mostly interested in establishing community or getting to know other people in the community. But the man-to-woman ratio in my very brief existence in this scene, and I say brief because there are people that have literally been in the Atlanta scene for 20-plus years, um, is that it has less to do with the gender or assumed gender than it does with the role that you play and or what you have to offer. I can tell you that there are not as many black people (laughs) as there are um, other... How many Asian people do you see as an Asian person? Like, legit... I want to say that it probably follows the same kind of guidelines that, like, general racial populations follow in the United States. I would say that, like, the Asian, the NAAPHI community is relatively small compared to other minorities. And same with um, Latinx communities. There's either, like, white people, black-identified-looking people, and then other minorities that come through. Um, And thankfully, and I think in some cases that 
the community is also aware of that. Right. And so there's also an initiative right now to like involve more people that okay. are um, that are of the underrepresented minorities. So what is that initiative? Um, starting new groups. Okay. Um, so like there are plenty of minorities that come in and then never come back because right. they either didn't feel welcomed or they didn't see themselves in that space. And so there are people that are taking it upon themselves right now to be a little bit more welcoming and or to seek out those people and be like, hey, do you have any questions? Like, what can right. I do for you or how can I make you feel more comfortable, which I think is really cool. I think that there is something to say about how comfortable people feel as newbies in the community, um, especially for people who aren't as assertive as I am mm -hmm. um, and trying to, like, find new people and or ask questions. Um, so I think that is an interesting question that you could possibly ask other people um, or, like, how they see that. I've had a really warm experience and really welcoming experience. And I've also met people that have come into the community at the same time that I am that are like, it was so like, everybody was so standoffish, like nobody mm. wanted to talk to me. And I was like, that was not how I experienced it. But like, tell me about what happened with you. Like, right. what, were, what were you trying to do? Um, and then I don't know, like also exploring how you figured out what your role was or like, how you came into figuring out what your kinks are, because um, that experience is very different for everybody else, too. And also, a lot of people who are bigger mm -hmm. or who are someone of color, they're like, oh, well, I've never been tied. I've never been suspended. I had someone, she was like, uh, I had someone tell me that I can't be suspended because I'm too big. What? You gonna get suspended tonight? <laughs> like that 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 stuff pisses me off. Right. Um, I hate it. Right. So when people be like, "Hey, could you tie me? Could you do a suspension?" Hell yeah. Yeah. Sure. So the whole idea of limiting someone because of body type or yeah, pisses or, me or, off. Yeah, and so you're you're up to that challenge. Yeah. Have you had any difficulties um, in fighting with people about allowing others to do that or being a thing? Like someone actually be like, no, you shouldn't do this or try to stop you at one point? Um, I have before. And at the dungeon that I was referring to when the guy had looked like he was going to intervene in my scene, um, I was told that they wasn't sure because he was so much bigger than me. Military 6'4", solid. Yeah. Probably like 300. Ooh. They didn't think it would be safe for me or him to do. Okay. What? So you're able to work it out? Yes. <laughs> How did, did Everybody he like it? can fly. Yes, he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, thank you, Dad. He sent me a message the next day and a message the next week talking about when we're going to tie again. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Like, no problem. Okay. Everybody can fly. <laughs> Military even. Yes. <laughs> Even my homeboy, because he's like 6'3". Yeah. And I had tied him. Is that kind of like more of a challenge for you? What, to do men? Well, like the bigger person. Yeah, that, a little that, bit. That's, you you kind of want to do it that way. Yeah, because I'm like, I want to get you as oh, high as possible yeah. and twist you up. Just you to see. That? Yeah. Just to see if I can do it. Yeah. There's something else we really wanted to ask about, and that is relationships. relationships. But before we get into that, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. 
And yeah, some recurring themes we heard in the conversations we had were the the idea of vanilla relationships. Vanilla gets a bad rap. <laughs> is that what is that like your favorite? No, no. Strawberry is my favorite, but I feel oh. like it's kind of a, that's an old person flavor. I was told. Is it really? That's what I was told. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> strawberry is for everybody, unless you're allergic to strawberry. Yeah, don't eat that. <laughs> um, uh, versus kink relationships and what that can look like, what's involved. And so, yeah, we asked about it. And I was going to ask, because you both did talk, you have an actual primary partner who you are engaged to, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And uh, Lily, you were talking about the fact that you're more of a polyamorous, is that correct? How does that look in this type of environment? Because for you, you must have to have specific conversations with your primary partner. And for you, you have to have that conversation with those who are in primary partnerships. What does that look like in this kink world? Or does it even make a difference? I mean, I think everyone has their own kind of relationship landscape. And so if I was just negotiating with someone for a rope scene, I wouldn't talk to them about my relationship (laughs) landscape. It's I don't, you know, unless they just want to have a conversation about that. Um, But if I was, you know, interested in developing some sort of continuous relationship, I mean, I could talk about relationship (laughs) anarchy or polyamory for like 17 hours probably. But (laughs) talk about it a little bit. But I guess I could talk about it. But for me, like I kind of think that uh, the way that we express affection and love is sort of antiquated and based on a bunch of weird social conditioning that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, And so in my mind, I think of I have like maybe – 12 or 15 ways that I do that thing and I have some partners that I do like eight or nine of them with and some partners that I do like six of them with and some partners that I do like two of them with and some are you know and so like that is just kind of how that looks and you might look at my people who I do things with and say well that's a friend and that's a play partner and that's a partner and and one of them is a husband because that's a legal thing right, right. so I know what that looks like and, <laughs> and, and one of them is my master and that's another thing that we have words for and you know and like one of them is a long distance relationship and one of them is a best friend who I've known since I was 13 and like so we have some words for these things but like right. In my mind, they're all just, like, people who are really important to me, who I have incredibly intense uh, emotion around. And so I'm not saying that they're all equal or that they all get the same amount of time or energy or that I have the same amount of investment in every single person I meet and every, you know, mailman or, you know, coworker. That's not true. But, like, in my mind, like, I think we put relationships in boxes a little more than we necessarily need to. And so um, for me, there's just a little, like, less reason to to do that um and so i kind of think that as long as between me and the person i'm interacting with we know what we mean to each other and what's important to us and we've negotiated that and we're being intentional about those interactions who are we hurting you know so right and then that everyone else who needs to know those things knows those things as well. Yeah. <laughs> and that's complicated. So I wouldn't suggest this if you aren't a very good communicator who likes to talk a lot um, <laughs> because it's a, so much work. But. So that's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's stay a in my corner. Work, but, um, like I have definitely been in periods in my life where my relationships looked a lot more traditional. Um, and there are things about my relationships that look very traditional now. You know, if you were to see me with my parents and my brother and and – my husband and uh, my, you know, nieces and family, it would never, you would never, like, guess that I had a very traditional, an untraditional relationship map, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, for me, it's, uh, for me and my partner, it's a little bit different. Um, we're mostly monogamous. Like, um, 
we've we've gone through various relationship styles and tried out different things. Um, and right now, you know, we are constantly negotiating what our relationship looks like and constantly checking in and making sure that that's still what we're happy with and what we want. And, you know, planning a wedding, working on careers, all of that. We don't have the time <laughs> to have the communication and to have, you know, w- when we have a little bit of free time that's really for us to, like, go on a date night or something, that's so special that I don't want to be trying to find another partner to do that, to spend that time with because, you know, he's traveling for work a lot. I'm working way more hours than I usually do. Like, it, like we've decided that that relationship is at the level we want it to be at. And I know that everyone has different ways of doing polyamory. We've always said that if we go back to being open in our relationship, that there would be a hierarchy and, you know, we would get veto power and other things like that. There are other people in polyamorous relationships that think that that is a terrible way to do polyamory. Um, and, you know, I there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, for us right now, picking up play, like playing with other people, that's something that is not just negotiated between us and the person we'd be playing with. It also involves the partner. So, you know, I'm not going to be doing anything that I'm not going to tell my partner about. Um, he's not going to do anything that he's not going to tell me about. He's gone to play parties and tied people that I haven't been at, and that's totally fine. You know, he asked, he told me ahead of time that that was on the table. And um, I think right now, as long as sex is out of it, it's everything's pretty fine. Um, so, you know... Things, things evolve, but things change. I'm marrying this man knowing that, like, I am not – I won't in my vows say you were going to be the only person I'll ever be with for the rest of my life right. because, you know, that isn't probably going to be true for us. But it might be. You know, you never know. Um, it just depends on how our relationship continues to evolve and the conversations we continue to have. So anyway, yeah, I like I said, I am a particularly dominant person, right. like aggressive person, and I would say – my boyfriend is not like right. he is very much the opposite to me in a lot of different ways. But in our vanilla life, because he is not involved in the kink right. scene, I'm oh, just he's like, not. he's not. He okay. is not. Um, I'm like, so I would really like to have sex, but I don't really want to do the doing. Like, I would like for you to take control right. here. And he's like, I get to control. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, like, I don't want to have to think. I want somebody else to boss right, me around. Right. Um, whereas with my girlfriend, so I'm also Polly. Um, she's like, I am also dominant, but I want you to be the boss. Right. And I'm like, yeah, girl, I got you. <laughs> like, I can do that So it's like a you. give and take, essentially. Yeah. It's how you feel, and it's very, But, like, like in our, so also in that, so with my vanilla partner, kink partner, there's not a switch that happens. Um, Maybe with my vanilla partner a little bit more where he's just like, no, I think it's really hot when you take charge. But with her, she's like, no, I'm not here to be to like to be bossing you around, I would like for you to boss me around. Right. I'm like, cool, I can do that for you. That works. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to uh, examine, because you talked about the fact that your relationship with your boyfriend um, is more vanilla. Mm-hmm. So, and that typically you don't translate that into that world. How yeah. does that work for both him and you <sighs> and the other side of you? Yeah. Um, I mean, he he had a lot of questions. <laughs> he had so many questions. Um, just to be like, also transparent. Like, I don't care. I don't think he cares. I told him I was coming here. Um, we've been we've been together for six years, and so we we were babies when we started dating, and we've had a lot of time to develop really healthy communication um, with one another. And so I'm six thousand percent transparent with him. 
any person that I sleep with, any person that I play with, if he has any questions about the things that I'm into or the things that I've done with somebody. And I was like, I really like getting spanked. And he's like, oh, I don't want to hurt you. Like, babe, like, I don't want to put my hands on you. That's really messed up. And I'm like, yeah, but I want you to. Like, right. I, I would really enjoy that if you did it. And so for a couple of months, um, he was very resistant to it. And then one day we were having sex and he just went for it. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, boy, yeah. <laughs> like, let's keep that going. And he responded really well to it. And so yeah. now it's something that continues to go into my life. But he was like, I'm never going to use a cane. I'm not going to hit you with a belt. I'm not going to do any of what he's like, your kinky stuff, I guess. Right. To him, that's vanilla enough for it to just be like, oh, my partner wants this. And this is something I'm also comfortable with. Right. Um, so, yeah, we also had to have a conversation with him about consent and bodily agency. Mm-hmm. He like I have a higher sex drive than he does. Mm-hmm. And so um, I want to have sex a lot. And he does not. Oh. And at the beginning of our relationship, he was just like, I am so tired. But, yeah, like, let's let's have sex because you want to have sex. And I was like, you know, you don't have to have sex <laughs> with somebody just because they want to. Right. And right. he kind of like was like, no, 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 no. Like this is, you know, like this is what's supposed to happen. I was like. Oh, no, like that's you, a flip. Yeah, I was like, yeah. you also have the ability to say, "No, babe, I'm tired. I don't want to have sex." And he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> whole world expanded. Um, and so he got used to saying no too. Yeah. And I have to tell a lot of people that I'm just like, men are not just your sex machines either. Like right. just as much as women aren't just like holes, right. <laughs> you know. Right. Like everybody has agency to or not engage in those kind of activities. And I wanted to make that very clear for him. So um, in our vanilla life, I'm like, if you don't want to engage in something that I think is kinky or I want, I respect the fact that you don't want to do that. I'm never going to force you to do anything. But I will tell you and maybe hope that you'll do it later. (laughs) (laughs) At least you'll communicate what you want. Yeah, communicate for sure. Right. So is he also polyamorous? Like, does he... (sighs) We are currently monopoly, which means that... I am Polly, and he is in a relationship with me. I've mm-hmm. been trying to get him to date other people. <laughs> I know I'm exhausting. <laughs> I am aware I'm exhausting. I'm like, you can just have, like, an easier relationship with somebody else. And he's like, no, I just want you. Like, Aww. I'm fine. Um, but he also knows all of the people that I've right. slept with and or whatever. Right. Um, but he has the option right. is a thing. It's not like a, oh, you said you never wanted to date anybody else, so now you can't ever. Right. It's like you're not right now, but the option is open for you to do that. So one of the things that I developed and I think has been apparent to probably my parents <laughs> ever since I was younger is that, like, I am going to take what I want um, <laughs> within, like, within the terms of consent. Like, I'm gotcha. never going I, to yes. wrest something sure, from somebody. Right. But I'm like, oh, Okay, we've been together for three years, and I really, like, I'm in love with you. You are my forever person, babe. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. But I also definitely want other dick and or, like, <laughs> and or vaginas. And right. it actually has nothing to do with our relationship. Right. Um, like, I am happy, and we are in a good place. And that was one of the things that I stipulated was, like, if we like, I'm always going to be Polly. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to feel like I have more love to spread around to other people. But if we are ever in a bad place with our relationship, that's my foundation there. Right. And I don't think engaging in other romantic situations while my partner that I've decided to like yoke my life to is in shambles, that that's something I could do feeling good about it. Right. 
I don't know that it has anything to do so much with me being a woman as it has to do with me being a person that feels like I have a higher capacity to share my romantic side and or feelings with more than one person and not have it affect those other relationships um, as far as like what I feel or my commitment to them. Um, And I knew that from a very early point in my relationship. I let my boyfriend know what my like sexuality was. I consider myself queer pansexual. Um, and that I was like, I'm, I don't believe that people have soulmates and or that they will only ever want somebody for the rest of their life. And I mostly think that that's a joke <laughs> when people do not to like not to bash monogamy, because I also feel like that is a very valid um, identity. Right. Um, but for me, I don't think that that's happening. Right. And if that's something that you can't reconcile, then we probably don't have a future. Right. Like. I was like, I will date you for six years and then I will dump you if you're like, you can never have another partner. And I also think that there's something to say about a couple and then a person being brought into there where there's like this unbalancing of power as well. Um, Because if you're a third, I don't necessarily live with you. And these other things happen with this couple and I don't want what's going on with us to affect your relationship with us. Right. So I'm just like, I have a relationship with you. Right. I have a relationship with this other person and with this other person. Mm -hmm. If we are going to bring a third into the bedroom, that is going to be a very temporary thing. This will not be a continual thing unless you're down to be like engaged to me and me possibly and us getting engaged to this other person because I don't step into relationships particularly lightly. Um, So, yeah. But that's just us. It could work very differently for other people. So right now, I am exclusive monogamous with my girlfriend. Um, I am poly if the situation, if, if it's needed. Like if I have someone who doesn't completely fulfill all my needs, but I do want to be with them, right. I'll probably expand outwards or... If I am in a situation where I just love two people and both of you all consent to it, then we all good. Okay. Now, if we have to choose, I may have stopped talking to both of y'all, but I mean, <laughs> but if I do want to, like, tie someone else, I actually discuss, like, how I know that person, what type of interaction or connection we have, what do I foresee in the future, um, and, of course, like, how I like why I'm doing it a lot of times, uh, and how she feels about it. Because mm-hmm. for me, tying different people is just literally for the different body types and to see how different people respond, to see what I can. It's a different experience for me. Right. And then to continue on with the conversation, we decided to ask what's the correlation between feminism and the kink world? So let me ask you this, because obviously we were talking about the fact that our show is surrounded. Um, around the idea of feminism, and that's what we're always looking for is pushing feminism and understanding uh, those who identify as female and, and what that looks like in a, in a world dominated by men. How does that fit into the kink world with, like, the whole idea of being a submissive or dominant in that world? It seems like it could be a pushback when people are talking about feminism and sex. What are your thoughts on how it feels like you, you get empowered when one or the other? I know that's a really big question. Um, for me, it's always about choice, right? right. So um, the fact that I can have this very unique way of manifesting my sexuality and truly be able to choose how that looks with every person I do that with is incredibly empowering. Um, 
and also the fact that I have the ability to negotiate that. And even um, if even if I was a person who was always bottoming or always in a submissive role, that doesn't feel like any less of a choice. That's absolutely still a thing that I'm deciding to do. Um, and to be able to do it in a very specific, uniquely intentional way, I think, within the boundaries of consent feels very empowering. I mean, I, I don't want to make the BDSM community sound like a some sort of utopic uh, environment. It's not. But there is a different mindset around consent. You are not going to get – I mean, when, when you go to like a non-kinky bar or something and get like – hit on or your ass grabbed or like just like that that sort of behavior is not smiled upon in this community Mm -mm. so like someone who does that is going to be ousted like they're not going to be welcomed they're not going to be someone who's considered ethical and i think i've only like i said i've only been around for like six and a half years but over that amount of time i've tried to build networks and create a, a reputation of someone who is ethical and i think because of that i've managed to develop great play partnerships and develop great relationships with people who want to do things with me. And honestly, I'm never without those opportunities. And I don't know that that would necessarily be the case in a more vanilla, like, dating environment or something. Like, I'm not, like, super hot. I'm not super young. Like, there's nothing, like, about me that, like, necessarily is, like, incredibly attractive as, like, what the vanilla world is looking for. But in this community, having skill sets and ethics and a good reputation and a strong network of references and friendships, it actually does mean something in a different way. And I think that there's something really compelling about that. And, right. and like I said, like there are bad actors, there are predators, that's everywhere. Right. Um, but there is something, too, I think, an environment that could only exist within the framework of consent and intentionality. Um, because we have to have that stuff. Like, we can't exist without it or we're just, like, truly criminals, right? Right. So Mm -hmm. because we have to make that so central to what we do, it's just always part of our minds. And it also lends us to being a little more, I think, in most circles, accepting and inclusive of, you know, non-normative gender identities and different places on the sexuality spectrum and all these other things that make it um, just a little easier to be like we're already outside of the norm. We're all we've all been othered all of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're meeting other people who are like, oh, and by the way, I identify as four things you've never heard of all in a row. Okay, cool. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like it's just easier. It's just easier. <laughs> so, from a personal perspective, I think going back to to how it can empower women in this situation. I like that was an excellent look at the community and I think the only thing I could add to that is to say like in my personal life it's manifested as um learning to ask for what I want. Um I just sort of fell into it in a way and then with my current partner our like he's not necessarily as sadistic as I am masochistic and things like that and it took a long time for me to ask for that sort of thing. And, and I, I used to be like, oh, he's not really into it, so it's not as much fun for me. He's just doing it to make me happy. And then over time, I was like, he's doing this to make me happy. Like, how great is that? And so, like, that changed in the mindset. Now I'm way more comfortable being like, oh, yeah, could you do some impact with me tonight? Like, that would be great. That, like, that, we haven't done that in a while. Like, um, and, and he gets more out of it because I'm more into it. And, like, it just it, – it, um, it really, really, I think, I have never experienced such a strong relationship as the relationship that I'm in now. And I think the communication and, uh, like, consent and negotiation from day one 
just cre- allows for these incredible relationships to be created um, that I don't think people typically find in a regular, regular, air quotes, right. um, relationship because there's just no need to talk about as much stuff from the jump, you know? Um, so I don't know. I think that that's been incredibly empowering and super special from a personal perspective. It's extremely empowering to know. I feel in in vanilla life, I feel like it's more of a fight mm-hmm. for me, like constant, whereas in kink, it's like I'm a dom. I'm always in top space. Respect is automatically given. Right. Whereas in vanilla, it, even with a master's and you only got it, I'm not downing anyone that has an associate's degree, but but I got a master's, and you over over here questioning me about my medication recommendations and my diagnostic impression. Right. What? <laughs> but why are you questioning me? That I don't right. understand. Right. But I know my white counterparts are not having these issues. I don't get it. Right. So why is this? What? Right. Like my specialty is actually older adults with severe mental illnesses. I don't. You're going to have to explain to me why you prescribed this medication. And kink is most times just automatically given. Right. Automatically. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. How, how may I serve you today? <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then in closing, we asked for some advice, some, some words of wisdom and perhaps resources for people who are interested in learning more or perhaps getting involved in the world of kink. Well, with this, I want to go ahead. I think you already kind of gave advice to beginners, but yeah, let's go ahead and go a little deeper. Let's say we, a listener or ourselves, want to be involved. How would we begin? What would be some advice you would give to new people? <laughs> Specifically around the kink community? Yes, or both. Anything. Okay. Just say we're brand new to all of it and trying to figure out what we may want to like or maybe want to be involved with. I think it depends on your personality. So, like, if you're the type of person who likes to do a research a lot, like, I might, like, go online and read a bunch of things and see, like, what turns you on and then maybe find a group that is catered towards that and see, like, if if it really is as interesting as you think. Um, I will say, like, one thing that people misunderstand about the community is that they think that, like, when they show up at an event, it's going to be everyone, like, super decked out in, like, cool gear, and they're going to be, like, way cooler than you. They're not. Like, everyone in the kink community, okay, I'm not going to say everyone. Let me not be reductive. Many, many people in the kink community are incredible nerds (laughs) who are super socially awkward. (laughs) They just happen to be really nerdy about sex. (laughs) So when you show up in these environments, like, no one's, like, at a restaurant wearing like head to toe latex with a bull whip. Like that's just not going to be the thing. Um, so you don't have to worry about being intimidated or not fitting in. Most of the conversation at the munch I was at two days ago was about Game of Thrones. Like that's just how this is going to go, you know? So um, I actually sometimes get frustrated by how little kink conversation there are at kink <laughs> events. Um, so, um, so just kind of know, I think that like, it's just normal people. This is just one aspect of their lives. If, if sexuality was their entire lives, like that would be a pretty boring group of humans, you know? Um, and so I think that you just make friends like you do in any other subculture and try to figure out who you might line up with. You hear something that's interesting to you and just ask someone to pick their brain. Um, 
and be polite like you would in any other environment. Don't assume that because people have specific sexual um, proclivities or interests that they want to talk to you about sex or that they want to do those things with you. Um, that's a, a misnomer that a lot of people do make, you know, like it's still sensitive, right? Like mm -hmm. because you see a picture of me on the internet doing a certain thing doesn't mean that I want to do that to you. Right. So <laughs> um, uh, maybe it does. I don't know. But like, I mean, for some people, and I, I think especially like uh, there are monogamous people who like if someone was coming up to Sammy many times and was like, oh, I saw a picture of you and you didn't have a top on. And so clearly just take your top off now. Like that's horribly rude. Like <laughs> this is not good behavior, right? So act like you would in any other social situation and make make friends and do some learning. Just start start from learning, I would say. Mm -hmm. So if they're just, if they're interested in getting into kink and they want to try some stuff, I I think that they can start light. You know, there's probably like wrist restraints that I would suggest before jumping into rope. That's going to be a little safer if they want to see how they like being like tied down. Um, but uh, you can get those at any kinks. I mean, any sex shop, you know, um, I would try. Heck, if you don't want to go out and actually buy things, try a wooden spoon from the kitchen. See if you like getting hit with things, you know, spanking. Um, if if that's if you're more interested in like a, a sadomasochistic relationship, uh, or if you want to try power exchange, that you don't really need any any starter kit tools for. I don't think maybe like a a collar if you want to try that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess if people were interested in starting with a little bit of power, I would never say to do that um, without a lot more information. But maybe uh, starting with like a protocol or two, if you wanted to integrate some power exchange into a relationship, that might be a way to start. Um, I could, again, talk about protocol for a long time, but uh, that might be one way to think about it. Like right. in this situation, this behavior will always follow and see what happens with that and see how it makes you feel and talk about it and... If it goes well, try another one. See what happens after that. Well, I did want to give you a chance to give us some resources that you would give to the audience as well as anybody who is interested to start researching to look at. You talked about FetLife. So it's F-E-T-L-I-F-E dot -E com. Mm -hmm. FetLife. And then if you want to talk about a group where it's just like an introductory conversational group, any of those things. I don't know that I can, like, personally reference any sort of beginners groups in FetLife. Um, they have like groups for beginners, but I also feel like sometimes the beginners groups have more predators because they're there purposefully looking for beginners. Okay. Um, and that's, there. I don't know about any like Atlanta specific ones. That's like for the national groups on FetLife that are beginners. Um, and then I would say Rope Bite Atlanta is a, is a good um, rope resource. Um, and B-I-T-E dot com. They're on FET. Uh, you can find them on FetLife. Um, okay. And, you know, any of the groups that have regular munches, I would just try to go to a couple of them and, and sort of see, meet people and see what they recommend. I guess a couple of things if you're interested in reading more about power exchange relationships, I would re recommend anything that Raven Caldera has written about power exchange relationships. Um, specifically, uh, he has an essay collection 
called Paradigms of Power, which is a great um, collection of just like different types of power exchange relationships that you can just read. And some of them are going to feel very alien and some of them might feel very wonderful and familiar. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, wow, here's a bunch of things that exist and maybe some of them are interesting. Um, and also a book called Real Service that is really was really inspirational to me when I first became interested in power exchange relationships. And then on the rope side, just from a risk mitigation standpoint, I might recommend um, the Clover Guide to Rope Bottoming, which you can just Google Clover mm-hmm. Guide to Rope Bottoming. Um, Clover is a British woman who's written this great guide and it's been translated into a ton of different languages and it's just really informative about just basics of things you need to know um, before being tied or beginning learning how to tie. Um, And then also Evie Vane, E-V-I-E-V-A-N-E, has a Rope Bottoming for Everybody, which is a great book. And both of these are free resources available online. Um, That uh, is just a great resource for for rope as well. And they're both like aimed at bottoms for risk mitigation purposes, but I would say whether you want to top or bottom, I would start recommend either one of those yep be be safe (laughs) explore but be safe explore but be safe good theme ignore the terminology because dealing with people in general people tend to get hung up on the terms like i've noticed people of color don't like the word submissive Mm -hmm. and surely not no slave (laughs) right I hope not. And ain't about to serve nobody as a master. Right. So, and it takes, and I find even to this day, because my girlfriend, she's like, I'm not a submissive. And I'm like, okay, you're a switch? She was like, no, I'm not a switch. I only bought them for you for role. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, that's a thing. That can be a thing. Right. And I've noticed, like, there's negative connotation with some of these words, and it's like, it's not. You putting it in that vanilla concept mm-hmm. of submission and relinquishing power, and it's about that, but in the vanilla concept, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not something you want to do. And kink, if that is your natural inclination, go for it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And there are people who will love that part about you. Like, you won't be ostracized. You won't be thought less of because you submit. Mm-hmm. Like, people get hung up. Like, my ex, she was like, I don't want to be a submissive. And in my head, I'm like, not only are you super submissive, <laughs> like you're very service-oriented. Mm-hmm. You're that make sure dinner's cooked, make sure the kitchen's clean, like very service-oriented. And that's okay. But she had a lot of issues, like just getting over that. Right. So it was like the, her giving nature was fighting the, are you going to take advantage or is this going to take advantage mm-hmm. or look like mm-hmm. I am? Right. And, and it's taught that's not okay. Right. Especially now, like, oh, you're supposed you you're not supposed to be as domesticated with like her issue. Right. And I'm like, but it's natural for you. So it should be okay. Mm-hmm. It really should. Yeah. Just it doesn't always have to be called something. Right. You can do whatever you feel comfortable right. with. You literally have to get to a point where you can just say F it. Right. That's what that's, that's where I'm at. They were like, Oh, you're you're aggressive. I'm like, um, Okay, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you call that. <laughs> I, I, I'm a more dominant, right, um, extroverted type right. personality. Right. Well, if that's what you want to call it, but go ahead. Right. So <laughs> ignoring you do what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so ignoring the titles and being free enough to yes. try things out without feeling yeah. locked down. Because we tend to label stuff and labels. And, yeah, the labels box you in, and you be like, uh-uh. right. so come in with an open mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do not do a Google search. Do not do. Google. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
I'll, that's inaccurate. You're going to get some Pornhub stuff. It's very extreme. It, it will turn you... I had someone who did a Google search. And she's like, you like this type of shit? And I'm just like, <laughs> get off of Google. <laughs> right now. Yes. I was like, let me show you in real life. That's like really, really extreme. And I'm I'm not a lot into degradation, but I right. am. Right. But it's not that. It's not like that. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Don't. Mm-mm. Um, I use YouTube more. Mm-hmm. I tend to find YouTube. Like there's actual sites that. Um, that like focus on bondage, on Shabari in general. I also use Vimo. Tends to be a little um, more useful because it actually has. They give lessons oh. on YouTube and Vimo, like on how to do things. Okay. That's actually pretty accurate. Um, but Fet Life is the number the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Like once I got on Fet and I started typing in these words and these pictures was coming, I was mm-hmm. like, oh. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Right, like that. Oh, like those bondage pictures. I was like, oh, I want to do that. One, if you know somebody who's actually active and practicing in the life, ask them about it and see if they can go with you. Mm-hmm. Like I tell my girlfriend, my homeboy, if you want to do something kink, let me know. I will come with you. Right. Um, don't go to nobody's house. We. It, oh, they don't want to go to a munch. That sounds iffy to me. Yeah. They don't want to go into public. Okay, I get the discretion and all this stuff, but you, you don't want to go to a lab, a workshop, not intent, not nothing. Mm-hmm. And you only want to do it at somebody's house. No, not happening. That, that's ref. Don't even entertain it. Yeah. It will not leave. Uh, I, I don't even much say give people your uh, phone number because they can Google that. Right. And figure out and put that in Facebook. Right. Or whatever. Um, but I always say, Go to public events. Mm-hmm. If it's a munch, scroll down, see how many people are going. If it's like three or four, man, I want to go there. Go mm-hmm. there by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I just do not go by yourself. Right. I, that's my biggest thing. Right. Um, ask around. People are usually very open. Like if you ask them a question, hey, I saw this group. I saw that you're a part of it. What do you think about it? They'll respond. I right. respond all the time. Right. Like, oh, well, hello, ma'am. I was thinking <laughs> about attending this workshop. Will you be there? I will. Okay, I hope <laughs> to see you. Cool. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Well, I mean, it's okay to be scared, but don't let that hinder you from right. moving forward. Right. Try it out. So if you guys want to try the King Coral Arimas, uh, your girl, to to ask. Yes. Ask you all can the literally questions. go on Fat Life, type in R-E-E-M-A-H, message me. I respond. I She'll always like, respond. Hey. And that brings us to the end of this, our two-parter on BDSM. It could have been probably like a 27-parter. Right. Um, and again, driving home, consent. 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 It's so important, and especially as we talk more and more and more about what this looks like, as well as being able to have the right to say yes or no, mm-hmm. and being alert enough to say yes or no, or old enough to say yes or no. Right. So we're just going to leave that that. That that is that is one of the best things that I kept hearing from them. Not only that they are exploring something new, but it's all about consent and how much power a woman does have to say yes or no. Right. And that is something worth saying again and again and again. <laughs> 
Sigh, heavy sigh. Um, thanks so much to all of them for agreeing yes. to to come on our Again, show. And Sammy, Lily, and Moxie, which by the way, that's their um, pseudonyms. Is right. that what I would say? Um, and then Rima, who was like, yeah, come at me. I got all the advice for you. Thank you guys so much. You're amazing. So yeah, um, I will say last time we were like, hey, reach out to us if you're a part of this world, if there's things that we need to know. And we got a really great reaction. Um, one of our Twitter peoples, her handle is Bagel Dumb. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I enjoyed that. Um, she has a blog as well. It's with uh, medium.com. And one of the columns was when your Tinder date turns out to be a dominatrix. Oh. So I think that'd be a fun read. Oh, I think I did read that did when I was researching. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was one of those that came in and was like, hey, thanks for, pretty not thanks, but was encouraged to hear so many women being on a podcast. So thank you, Bagel Dom. Yes, I'm going to say like that uh, for reaching out because that was really fantastic information. Yes, and if any of you listeners would like to reach out, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You and on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks also, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Not Anthony. Not Anthony. That's an insider joke. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 